We saw last week how relevant the Bible really is. More relevant than the newspapers that we pick up each week. And so today we want to look at God's word being the kind of truth that we can rely on. First question. What is the strangest fact you have found to be true? The strangest fact that you have found to be true. The word of God truly makes a difference. And like, it keeps you... It's true. <laughs> okay. The word of God, okay. Yeah. Um, sorry, God is real. Well, you can't see him, you can't touch him. He's real. Okay. That's a strange fact you found to be true? Okay. I mean, I, I, I think yeah. that when you first... You, you know, you heard your parents and stuff talking about it, but then you came to know it for yourself. Type of thing for me, at least, you know, you okay. came to realize that that is true. All right. Anybody else? I think we're believing in creation. I know we believe in God. Okay. People believe in creation? Yeah. That's a strange fact. Yeah. It's a common thing. I believe when somebody asks the other somebody, do they believe in God? They believe in creation. They don't believe in God. Mm, okay. You know, it's this very strange that when they forgot that love your enemies and do good to them and pray for them. <laughs> you know, like, I guess, I guess, but it's really a strange Okay. Just, uh, um, I, I just uh, heard lately that um, 90% of our breathing is through our nose and 10% through our mouth. And with their mouths open so much, I would have thought it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's strange. Yeah, that's true. That is strange. Okay. That's it. That, I never thought about that. <laughs> Any other strange facts that anybody heard of recently that uh, found to be true? I want to hear it again too. 90% of our breathing is through our nose. And only 10% through our mouth. And I, that was strange to me because my mouth is open so much. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people are sleeping. Your mouth is closed. That is not true. Yeah. 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 But it, it's, it, it's, it's kind of defies logic because, you know, a lot of people talk a lot. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and they eat a lot. I mean, your mouth is open. Anyway, it's strange. That's a good one. But you have to open your mouth, whereas your nose is always open. Okay. You have to yeah. breathe. Hey. Yeah, uh, I guess you could look at it like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's read Bible Meets Life on page 54. You know how long an inch is? Right. You can probably hold out your finger and thumb and say an inch is about this big. You might even be close. Interestingly, the length of an inch used to be determined by the rule of thumb, meaning an inch was measured as the width of your thumb. But when one's carpenter's thumb happened to be chubbier than another, it created problems. <laughs> Whose thumb should be the standard? Today, the international standard for an inch is exactly 25.4 millimeters long. Then again, that is point zero 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 one seven of an inch longer than 
the imperial inch, which is used in British countries. And it's zero, 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 two of an inch shorter than the US inch. So the standard for the inch is still not perfectly precise. When it comes to the important matters of life, we need a standard that is absolutely perfect and completely reliable. Psalms 119 shows us that such a standard exists in God's Word. Okay. Interesting. What is the point? I can fully rely on what the Bible teaches. Okay. A lot of things may not be perfect in this world, but we can fully rely on what the Bible teaches. On Friday, I called a, a welding company because uh, we're getting them to do some security grills and um, the lady told me you know two years ago when we gave you the quote we gave you the quote for both units because we had a, the other house the other unit had done before you know it crossed my mind I said you know everything is not precise both of those houses are supposed to be identical okay the same layout everything in the same place but I know from history that Man is not perfect. No. You could use the same blueprint, but an in, a window could probably be an inch shorter or an inch longer. Yeah. You know, so I said, you know what? I, I still would like for Mr. Bain to go in there and take measurements. And you give me an, a, a quote based on the measurements. She said, well, the measurements are not going to determine the quote one way or another. But still, I would like him to go in there and take measurements. Because everything that we think is precise is not precise. You know, and that's the way we see it in our world. But one thing is sure, God's word is true. God's word can be fully relied upon because of what the Bible teaches. And many of us have proven that, right? Yes. Well, I'm trying to tell myself that. <laughs> but I'm not perfect. <laughs> okay, let's look at uh, Let's look at what the Bible has to say. Consider my affliction and rescue me. I have not forgotten your instruction. Defend my course and redeem me. Give me life as you promised. Salvation is far from the wicked because they do not seek your statutes. Because they do not seek your statutes. Okay, let's look at question number two before we look at the paragraph there. What does these verses teach us about the psalmist's relationship with God? Look at the verses. What do they teach us about his relationship? He trusted God's word. Okay. He trusted God's word. How does the verse reflect that? Because he said, consider my affliction. Um... Asking God to notice what he has been going through and to God to look at the situation and have compassion on him. Okay. So he knew that, that he knew that, that was he knew that it was true because of the second request that he's asking God to redeem it. Okay. Alright, good. Anybody else? He has confidence that God was able to change. <coughs> okay, he has confidence that God is able to Change. Change yeah, the situation. Okay. Yes. That's his comfort. Okay. That's why he asked. All right. Anybody else? Also, he, he has 
accepted God's word as truth, and he has never forgotten it. So he removed God's right here. Okay, he has accepted, say that again a little louder so everybody can hear it. He has accepted God's word and truth, and he has not forgotten that truth, so he is holding fast to that truth by faith. Okay, anyone else? Okay, let's look at the paragraphs then. Someone read the paragraphs beneath that verse. As he neared the end of his, of his epic psalm, the psalmist made two requests of God. Consider my affliction. The psalmist wasn't simply asking God to notice what he was going through. He was asking God to look on his situation with compassion and then move to do something about it. We know this is true because of his second request, rescue. Only God could change the psalmist's situation. The psalmist trusted the promises given by God in his word. Therefore, he trusted God to rescue him. The psalmist knew God was the only one who could keep him secure as he prayed. Defend my cause and redeem me. He spoke as if he were in a court of law, accused of wrongdoing, and in need of a defense attorney to plead his case. He called on the Lord, even as another psalmist had done, vindicate me, God, and defend my cause against any ungodly nation. Rescue me from the sinful and unjust man. The Lord who pleads our case is the same God who redeems us. This is the hope we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Others are using imaginary from a courtroom. The Apostle John wrote, But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous one. <coughs> Jesus, our advocate, is also the one who made it possible for us to have free access to the divine truth. We see this truth in Hebrews. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the proper time. Next page. Verse 155 teaches us two things about the nature of salvation. Salvation is far from the wicked. We cannot experience God's salvation as long as we hold on to our sin and wickedness. Salvation is found in God's word. The psalmist gave a specific reason why salvation is far from the wicked. Because they do not seek your statues. The truth is that God doesn't serve us against our will. People will not be in heaven that do not want to be there. Scripture points us to Jesus Christ, the ultimate word, and how we have life and salvation in him. If we fail to heed that word, we are left in our wickedness. 
Okay, now notice those two last paragraphs there. Salvation is far from the wicked. And we cannot experience God's salvation as long as we do what? Hold on to sin and wickedness. Okay, so that's one of the things that we need to proclaim and pray with regards. Because we know we get a lot of wicked people in our country based on what we see happening with regards to crime, right? And then the second one is salvation is found in God's word. The psalmist gave a specific reason why salvation is far from the wicked. Because they do not have any interest in God's words or statutes whatsoever. No interest. The truth is that God doesn't save us against our will. He is a complete gentleman. God will not do for us what we don't want, want him to do. Okay? People will not be in heaven that do not want to be there. In other words, you're not going to have people in heaven griping and complaining about what kind of place it is and how they don't like this and they don't like that. You know, wherever you go, you find people doing that, right? Okay, no matter how, mu how much they have benefited, people will always find some reason to give a, a, to complain and gripe, right? And so you can guarantee that there will be nobody in heaven who doesn't want to be there. Scripture points to Jesus Christ, the ultimate word, and how we have life and salvation only in him. We fail, fail to heed his word, we are left in our wickedness. Okay, God is not going to overrule our wills in favor of his own. No, that's something you've got to want him to do and ask for it. And so as we move to verses 156 to 59, we'll see the psalmist continue his plea for God to grant him life in the midst of persecution. We'll also see how his love of God's word affirmed his belief in God's love and care. So let's look at those passages. Your compassions are many, Lord. Give me life according to your judgments. My persecutors and foes are many. I have not turned from your decrees. I have seen the disloyal and feel disgust because they do not keep your word. Consider how I love your precepts, Lord. Give me life according to your faithful love. The Bible not only points us to the... Okay, stop right there. Let's look at a uh, couple of verses there before we move on to the comments. Uh, verse 156. Uh, the psalmist again asked God to deliver him, that is, giving him life. And like his previous plea, the psalmist based his request on God's promise. This time, referencing... God's judgment. So you see how important it is to remember God's word? Yes. Hold God at his word? Yes. Talk to God about what he promised? Yes. That's what the psalmist is doing here. The word translated compassions is usually used in relation to God and appears in Psalm 119 only here in this verse and in verse 77. Both times God's compassions are connected with an action. God's compassions refers to the qualities of God's love, his pity, and his mercies. It, re it, 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 it refers to God being compassionate, God being merciful. And then in verse 157, 
We note that 157 to 58 contrasts the psalmist's suffering persecution at the hands of his enemies with his faithfulness in keeping God's decrees. He is faithful in keeping God's word. He continues to suffer at the hands of his enemies. The psalmist again referred to his persecutors, this time also identifying them as many foes. So there's just not one. A whole lot of them are getting on his case, beating him up. Unlike his persecutors, the psalmist had faithfully stayed true to God and his word. So he didn't uh, lose focus when he was attacked. He didn't allow the attacks by his enemies to cause him to, to throw a great big pity party for himself and say, oh, oh, God don't like me. God forget about me. God let me go through all of this. No. He stayed focused, stayed true to God and his word. Because he knows that God only allows to happen what he wants to happen for a purpose. The psalmist was not demanding that God help him based on his actions. God's love or help cannot be earned. He could never earn God's love or his help. God's love stands behind the psalmist's request in this verse as well as those in the preceding and following verses. God's love is not merely an emotional feeling, as we often define love. God's love results in his action for his people. God's action, God's actions is motivated by his love. Why did Jesus die on the cross? Because of God's love, right? And so God's action is motivated by his love. Okay, let's look then at those uh, paragraphs. The Bible not only points us to salvation in Christ, but also tells us why he offers us salvation. Your compassions are many, Lord. God is a God of mercy. In fact, he is rich in mercy, Ephesians 2 and 4. God is loving and kind to us, not because we are good, but because he is good. In his good mercy, he gives us life, and in his love, he gave us his word to restore and strengthen us. The psalmist wrote, give me life according to your judgments. The circumstances of life may knock us down, but the word of God will put us on our feet again. The psalmist needed the great mercy of God because he had a great, and he had, he had a great many adversaries. He felt like, he felt like an army of enemies had risen against him. <laughs> Even so, he was determined that enemies would not deter him from obeying the word of God. I have not turned from your decrees. The psalmist spoke a hard word against the wicked in verse 158, disgust. He called them disloyal, for they had broken the covenant relationship with God. He was not only saddened by such betrayal, but felt contempt and revulsion because of their willful disobedience to the word of God. We likewise should feel disgust when we see sin and disobedience in others, but never with a sense of pride. As we look upon the faithless, we must remember that it's only by the grace of God we aren't in the same spiritual condition. In verse 153, the psalmist prayed that God would consider his affliction. In verse 159, he asked God to consider how I love your precepts. Love for scripture is an expression of devotion to God. 
We can obey the word of God without loving it, but we cannot love his word without being fully committed to learning and living it. All of Psalm 119 celebrates the sufficiency of scripture for everything in life. We need the word of God. More importantly, we need the word, we need, we need the God of the word. The Bible is not a math book with formulas we must figure out to master life. It is a love story in which God is the lover and we are the, and we are the beloved. Only those who learn the story experience, only those who learn the story experience the life transforming power of God's word. Okay. Now notice the the final paragraph there on uh, on page fifty six. God is loving and kind to us, not because we are good, but because He is good. A lot of people don't get that. His, in His good mercy, look at what He does. He gives us life in His love, and in His love, He gave us His word to restore and strengthen us. So we know where we can find restoration and strength, right? In God's word. The psalmist wrote, Give me life according to your judgments. The circumstances of life may knock us down, but the word of God will do what? Put us back on our feet again. Always put us back on our feet. And that's why when we get knocked down, beat up and bruised up, where do you go? To the word. Is that where we find comfort? strength and restoration. Okay, uh, question number three. When have you experienced God's love and mercy in a meaningful way? We could say, when was the last time you experienced God's love and mercy in a meaningful way in your life? And he has provided. He's provided. Any particular instance that we could think of? Well, we could say, yeah, I had an incident where truly I was able to see God's mercy and love in a meaningful way. I went to the office and I missed, I thought I was to the top of the step, mm -hmm. but I was, had to go up the middle of the step. And instead of me falling, I balanced up on my own without falling to the ground mm. and um, when I was leaving a gentleman and I we came out the same time so the receptionist said to me watch your step so the gentleman told me he said you know I felt flat on my face right there mm. and the step and said I haven't fixed it yet the lightning is bad mm. so I give God thanks for that okay <laughs> all right Anybody else have experienced God's love and mercy in a meaningful way anytime recently that you could recall? All right, let's look at the next question then. How can we uphold the truth of God's word while offering friendship to those who don't? Oh, grace okay. and mercy. Okay. Love. Let's look at that last paragraph that we read. All of Psalm 119 celebrates the sufficiency of Scripture for everything in life. 
notice what it says here. We need the Word of God. We need it. It's not optional. We need the Word of God. Okay, and then it says, more importantly, we need the God of the Word. Isn't that true? Yeah. Think of all the people that we can think of in our, in our world who have so many problems. Why? Because they do not have the God of the Word. The Bible is not a math book with formulas we must figure out to master life, even though some people see it that way. It's a love story in which God is the lover and we are the beloved. Only those who learn the story experience the life-transforming power of God's Word. So we see how important it is to study God's Word, to read God's Word. Because that's where the life-transforming power comes from. Okay, as we conclude this session with Psalm 119.160, we'll find a brief but powerful statement on the reliability of God's Word. Reliability is a word we like to hear, right? Last verse, 160. The entirety of your word is truth, and all your righteous judgments endure for how long? Ever. Forever. 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 Eternally. Yes. <laughs> okay, we have a well let's look at the let's look at the, the verses there, the paragraphs there. Someone read those. The closing verse of this stanza affirms the truthfulness of God's word. In order to rely, in order to truly rely on the Bible, however, we must actively trust it as the psalmist did. Trust the word of God is true. Scripture doesn't merely contain truth. Even a supermarket tabloid can contain some truth. The whole of scripture in its totality and without exception is absolutely and perfectly true. The Bible doesn't contain a speck of untruth. Every principle, every prophecy, every promise is true. The sum and entirety of God's word is true. As the Apostle Paul wrote, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuilding, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. Trust that the word of God is eternal. The prophet Isaiah also affirmed the psalmist's words, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God remains forever, Isaiah 48. Scripture doesn't have to be updated to catch up with the times. The Bible is the book of the ages. Truth doesn't change, and the truth of God's word is still as relevant and powerful today as it was when it was first penned, and it will continue to be so. Consequently, we can trust God's eternal truth to work powerfully in our lives. But just as rain and snow fall from heaven and do not return there without saturating the earth and making it germinate and sprout and providing seed to sow and food to eat, so my word that comes from my mouth will not return to be empty, but it will accomplish what I please and will prosper what I send it to do. Isaiah 55, 10-11 the Bible is a powerful, transformational, and miraculous message written by God Himself. Therefore, you can rely on everything it says for every moment of your life. 
Okay, notice that last line. The Bible is powerful, transformational, and a miraculous message. Now, we have a lot of people who are in our world who gravitate to what is powerful, right? People gravitate to what is transformational. People gravitate to what is miraculous. And we've seen stories where people talk about the, the, the uh, a statue of Mary, the tears running down, and you get flocks of people gathered around that place, right? So people gravitate to what is powerful, transformational, and miraculous. That's what the Word of God is. And that's what we need to be praying, that people would gravitate to the Word of God because of what it is. Powerful, transformational, and miraculous. And as a result, it can be truly relied upon, trusted, depended upon. Last question, number five. What are the consequences of believing that God's word is true? Peace. You have a firm foundation. You have a firm foundation. We know the importance of a foundation, right? If the foundation is wrong, the whole structure is going to be wrong. You'll always have problems with a building if the foundation is not right. And so we need... Hmm? And he gives us peace. He gives us peace. The Bible calls it peace that passeth all understanding. When you are experiencing peace, other people around you trying to figure out, well, what's wrong with us? What's wrong with him? Because all hell, as it were, seems to be breaking loose all around you, but you seem to be so peaceful. And people don't understand that. But the Bible tells us that God is the one who gives us peace that passes all understanding. People never understand the kind of peace you have. But that's a guarantee that you have from God, that he will give you that kind of peace. Nothing in this world can hinder the kind of peace that God is, is able to give us. And I remember I told you the story about a lady whose car was on fire in the driveway. And she was just standing there like everybody else. Nobody could tell that that was a car in her house. Because she was so peaceful and content. You know, she wasn't running around hysterically. Oh, Lord, help me. My house is about to burn down. No. This is in Jubilee Gardens, huh? No, this is in um, oh. um, um, Park of the Palms, a retirement community in Florida. Oh. No one could tell that that was a car. That's the kind of peace that we have uh, from God. Okay. Got new car what we say, I have a real life story. Not a Okay. Yeah. That, that, that's what it brings. Mm. That peace and that joy inside. Mm. And you can't wow. buy that. Nope. Not <laughs> how much money you have. You can't okay. buy peace. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Page 59. We have an assessment there. Um, did anybody do that? Sorry. Okay, let's look at it. How deeply do you trust the Bible? Use the following questions to evaluate your correct connection with God's Word. We have, uh, the first one is, how often do you practice the discipline of reading and studying the Bible? And it goes from rarely all the way up to daily. Daily, okay. Good. Okay, how often does the Bible factor into your everyday decisions? Okay, daily. To what degree do you consult the scriptures during the process of making important decisions? Daily? Daily? All right. 
All right. Uh, that's a low degree or high degree? High degree. High degree, okay. To what degree do you use the scriptures to evaluate the advice or instructions of other people? High low degree, high degree? High degree, Okay. And then the last one, how often do you intentionally obey a command or principle you encounter in God's word? Really? Daily. Daily. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you don't intentionally, you're disobedient. What does the Bible say? He who know what to do, good to do with it, not to him it is? Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Let's then look at how we're going to apply these principles and live it out. Um, page 60. All right, the Word of God is true. How will this truth affect your actions? How will this truth affect your actions and attitudes this week? Consider the following suggestions. Notice there are suggestions. Okay, you may have better suggestions than these. Okay, if you have better suggestions than these, then by all means use them. Okay, truth to rely on. As you read God's word in, coming, in the coming weeks, write down each truth you encounter. Build a journal of truths you can rely on each day. Okay, in other words, you're reading the Bible and something leaps out at you. It's God's Holy Spirit saying something to you. Write it down. Truth to study. Commit to becoming a lifelong student of God's word. Notice this is lifelong. Okay, that's the key there. This week, choose to focus on a book of the Bible that you've never studied before. Consider using a commentary on that book as you dig into the text. Okay, that's a good one. And then truth to share. Consider expanding the impact of your current Bible study group and your church by branching out to start something new. Or we do a new thing. Reach out to people in your neighborhood or to specific demographic in your congregation. Then help new members dive into God's word. My wife did that recently with, uh, we we're going through a precept uh, training and in part of that training we were given the 23rd Psalm and we were told to use that Psalm. We were given three copies of, of uh, printouts of the 23rd Psalm and we were told to go and, and do that study a precept study with uh, three people that you know. My wife went to the school and she did it with a principal and some other people. And she said they were so excited about it, they wanted to get into it. And now they're looking at doing another Bible study. All right, so it's a good exercise to do. Okay, share, truth to share. Reach out to somebody. Okay, and then finally, don't be tempted to follow a rule of thumb for your life, a standard that changes from person to person. Instead, use the perfect standard of God's word to measure each moment of your life. Amen? Yeah. People like to use rule of thumb. Don't do that. Use the standard of God's word.